This program is brought to you by Bible Way Media, a work of the Ulaga Church of Christ. Hello again, thank you for joining me today as we continue our lesson looking at counting the cost. Uh, when we were together last time, I know it's been a few weeks, uh, we've had a lot going on, and so we've had some replays and different things going on, but we're going to continue looking at counting the cost. And we looked at last time, giving up things that may hinder. We talked about Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 8. We looked at uh, giving up anything that will cause another to, another person to stumble, looking at Matthew chapter 18 and verse 6. And today we're going to pick up looking at Ephesians chapter 4. But before we do so, I want us to go back and look at our key text for this lesson, looking at Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. In Philippians 3, verses 7 and 8, the Bible says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yes, yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. This is the Apostle Paul speaking here, and he talks about the things which he gave up, so he could be a loyal follower of God. You know, when when we become a Christian, or if we desire to become a Christian, because I talk about this before we, uh, if we're having a Bible study with someone, I'll talk about this before we get to talking about baptism, because a person must know what it means to be a Christian. They must know that there are certain things they're going to have to be willing to give up. If there are things they're involved in that are sinful, they're going to have to remove those things and make that part of the things which they are repenting of before they are a candidate for baptism. If you look at Ephesians chapter 4, because one of the areas we have still, we, which I think probably since, you know, for a long period of time, I should say, uh, we have those who, uh, when it comes to wanting to obey the gospel, they are involved in the type of work that is sinful, one that which they have no business being involved in. Uh, for example, I'm just going to pick ones that are very obvious so we all understand clearly what we're talking about. But it'd be very difficult, or actually, it would be impossible for a Christian, rather, to work at something like a liquor store because you're selling alcohol. It'd be impossible for a person to work at a place where they'd be selling tobacco or selling lottery tickets or whatever it may be because you're influencing individuals to commit sin. And you also are showing that you are, whether you really are or not, but your actions show that you are okay with it. See, we must have the right kind of work. There are plenty of works out there which we can have, which we can make a living on without committing sin. In Ephesians 4 and verse 28, the Bible says, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. So we find here that we are to work with our hands what is good, doing things which are not sinful for us to be involved in. Sometimes our our managers or our, our, our bosses uh, may have wicked lifestyles, but the job in which we are working in does not cause us to sin because we cannot control the lifestyle of others. But we also have to realize that one of the reasons we work is because we want to, we need to, as the Bible tells us, to provide for our own and to also, as we find here in verse 28, to help those who are in need. We are to work with, with our hands, as he says here in verse 28, what is good? We want the right kind of work, and we are involved. In, we're currently involved in work that is sinful, and we are considering obeying the gospel. Well, friends, before you obey the gospel, you need to get out of that sinful work. You cannot obey the gospel and still remain in that sinful work and think that be think that's okay because you're still doing that sin. Where is the repentance of it? It has to stop. Think about this comment that I have here from. One individual, and I forget who it's from, or, or I would tell you, but it's just from an anonymous one uh, individual. But I have this comment here. 
says Christians should have some useful and honest employment. They should work that which is good. They should not pursue an employment which will which will necessarily injure others. No man has a right to place a nuisance under the window of, of his of his neighbor, nor has he any more right to pursue an employment that shall lead his neighbor into sin or ruin him. An honest employment benefits everybody. A good farmer is a benefit to his neighborhood and country. And a good shoemaker, blacksmith, weaver, cabinet maker, watchmaker, machinist is a blessing to it to the community. He injures no one, he benefits all. And how true it is. We want that we want to be able to benefit others, to have that good work, a work that's not sinful, not causing us to sin and not influencing others to sin. Here's some more comments from others. One has said, How is it with the distiller and the vendor of alcoholic drinks? He benefits no one. He injures everybody. Every quart of intoxicating drink that is taken from his house does evil somewhere, evil and only evil, and that continually. No one is made better or richer. No one is made made more moral or industrious. No one is helped on the way to heaven by it. And how true it is. When it comes to certain things, though, friends, when it comes to our jobs, there are certain things that we think, well, I have to make a living. Well, you don't have to do it that way. There are other ways. Still, here's another comment. Thousands are helped on the way to hell by it, who are already in the path, and thousands are induced to walk in the way to death. Who, but for that, for, but for that distillery, store, tavern, might have walked in the way of heaven. Is it then working that which is good? Which would Paul have done it? Would Jesus do it? Strange that professing that a professing Christian, it was ever done. Strange that by a professing Christian it was ever done. And again, another comment which I don't know who who said that, but it's still true. Again, we point out alcohol because friends, it's so common, but we can apply it in so many other ways. Here's another comment here. This one by Albert Barnes, who is a commentator. He says, see a striking instance of the way in which the Ephesian, Ephesians Christians acted when they were first converted, Acts 19.19. 19. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and then counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver, Acts 19.19. 19. And that's what he's talking about there. Albert Barnes, when he points this out, he's saying, what did these individuals do who, who became a Christian? They brought all their magic books, which they were using before, and they burned them in front of everybody to show that we're not doing this anymore. What an incredible display it would be for someone who wanted to become a Christian who would leave a, a line of work that was sinful. Why? Because you want to follow God. Because you want to do that which is good and pleasing in His sight. Let us do that. And that really leads us to our next point, which we're going to come back and look at next week. And that is, set the right example. We're going to stop there today. I do thank you for being here with me on Quiet Moments. Hope you'll join me again next time as we continue looking at Counting the Cost. We hope you enjoyed this program. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, or Podbean. Thanks for listening.